You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. Listen to the Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. I've got Greg Barnes and Gregory Hall with me. It's basketball season, boys. Notre Dame, North Carolina in the Smith Center Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Um, full disclosure, we're recording this on Monday night, um, sort of a look ahead to the season, Greg Barnes, I'll start with you first. I mean, this is a Carolina team that's going to look significantly different than last season. And from the outside looking in, I'm not so sure that's necessarily a great thing. Uh, your thoughts on this team heading into this season, maybe contrast it with how it looked last season going into the season. I mean, very different players, very different mindset, very different style I think we see coming. Yeah, for sure, Tom. I mean, I think that's kind of a good way to put it uh, because last year going in, you knew that you had some some key veterans back. Kenny Williams was your perimeter defender, uh, has played throughout his entire career, a guy that Roy Williams loved and trusted out there at guard. Luke Mays coming off the All-American season. Uh, You knew what he could bring to the table. And then Cam Johnson uh, had battled through a hip injury, but still put up some very good numbers in his junior campaign. And so just those guys alone, you knew you had a very solid foundation. And then you add in some elite freshman talents, and all of a sudden you've you've got some things working. And I think what, what benefited that team more than anything is that when Nasir came in, Nasir wasn't great from the start, right? But it wasn't that big of a deal, and they were able to bring him along gradually, which he eventually became very good by the end of the year. But it was because they had so many veterans they could lean on. And same with Kobe. Uh, They had to count on Kobe a lot, and Kobe played well from the get-go. But he was kind of up and down. And they didn't have to have him be the stud every single night because you had guys. I mean, think about the state game where I guess it was Cam and Kenny and Luke all had double-doubles. And because you have such veteran leadership, you you could allow the freshmen and the younger guys to come along at their own pace. That's not the case this year. This is a situation where you've got two freshmen for sure in the starting lineup uh, with Cole Anthony and Armando Baycott. And those two guys have to be key pieces for this team from the get-go. I mean, they have to play well on Wednesday night against Notre Dame in their first ever college game. Um, and when you when you add in the fact that your only senior in Brandon Robinson is nicked up right now, we don't know, you know his availability for Wednesday. Uh, and Garrison Brooks is your only returning starter, and he's really kind of a defensive presence guy. And then Leaky Black's coming off of injury, and then you got grad transfers. Um, so you know, a lot of new pieces, uh, a lot of new expectations. Cole Anthony, I mean, 
the amount of expectations on that kid is is just incredible. But yet he's going to have to play through that, and he's going to have to play strong early. He's going to have to play strong night in and night out in order for North Carolina to be effective and for North Carolina to challenge for a, a conference championship as well as maybe a little bit more as we get into March. Gregory, when I look at uh, the roster on the internet, I always go into it and um, one website, Go Hills website has it where you can click on the year and it, it'll sort it based off uh, seniority. And you always do that when you go into a North Carolina season and you click on it and you've got, nowadays you've got your grad transfers at the top and it goes seniors on down to the freshmen. And you always see guys that have played key roles for Roy Williams and for North Carolina basketball over the years um, up near the top of that list. And, and when I do it now, as we sit here and talk and I click on it, you've got guys uh, in the first seven or eight names that have done very little for North Carolina basketball. You get down to Garrison Brooks, you start talking about major contributors, and then you get on the way down and you see where the the guys that are going to have to step up. That is what's weird about this North Carolina team. The guys that are most experienced, Brandon Robinson, will be out for some period of time. But Justin Pierce and Christian Keeling, they bring your most experience on this roster, and they haven't played a minute of action for North Carolina basketball. Just a whole different so I, I said weird earlier. It's just different, and it's it's odd for North Carolina. It'll be interesting to see how Roy Williams manages it, Gregory. Your thoughts just on its face going into this season opener. Yeah, yeah, Tom, Tommy, it is weird because you, you look at it, and like you said, Justin Pearson and Christian Keeling are the experienced guys, but they've never played a game for, for North Carolina. And what doesn't help – what, what does not help are these injuries. Um, Brandon Robinson, there's no timetable for his return. We didn't get any extra details on, on that injury from Roy tonight on his radio show. Um, so he's still out with a sprained ankle. Um, and with to Greg's point of Cole and Armando having to play excellent basketball night one, um, if one of them doesn't produce – there aren't many guys behind them. Roy mentioned uh, following the Winston-Salem State game, and he mentioned it again tonight, he's got eight guys that he plans on playing that he trusts. Without Brandon, that number is seven. Um, if Armando doesn't play up to what a starting forward should for Roy Williams at North Carolina, they don't have anybody else who can play the five. Garrison had to play the five last year, but his natural position is the four because Sterling's hurt. And Sterling Manley, Roy said today, doesn't really know if or when he's going to be able to play. Um, so that doesn't help you because, if, I mean, if Armando's not playing well, um, maybe it's just nerves at first. You can take him out, put Sterling in, uh, but you can't really do that. If he's got nerves, you take him out, you put Justin Pearson at the four. He's learning how to play the four. So that doesn't help you either. So that's kind of my thoughts on how this season starts. And then you look at Cole Anthony. Yes, uh, huge recruit, amazing talent, so much pressure. He's played through the pressure. He's got clips. He's dunking on NBA players. He's playing with Victor Oladipo and Carmelo Anthony and all these guys. And he's cu he's cool as a cucumber. 
But still, like it's it's a big scene coming from high school AAU ball to playing for Roy Williams. And if he doesn't play well, and if he just plays average, which would be better than probably most players, but then behind him, you've got Leaky Black. And Leaky missed a lot of the season last year with an injury. And so it's just kind of what if it's just it's just a lot. It's well it's not a lot of players, which is a lot of things could go wrong if someone who's supposed to produce can't produce. And that's just kind of the gist of with the inexperience and the not a lot of old guys and and yeah, so it's just I was a lot, but that's just what's going through my head when I look at this lineup and the injury issues. Greg, is there let's go ahead and talk about Cole Anthony. Has there ever been a freshman at North Carolina with this ex level of expectation? And I'm sure somebody will pop up and say somebody um, before I can even finish the question, but with this level of expectation, but not only expectations, also like Gregory said, he has to produce for this team to be good and for this team to have success. I mean, he has to produce. And I just I cannot remember a freshman from North Carolina that's been put on the spot like that as Cole Anthony has been. Yeah, I think there's two parts of that, Tommy. It's the it's the hype for one, but like you said, it's not just hype. It's North Carolina needs him, has to have him. There was a ton of hype with Harrison Barnes. There's a ton of hype with Nasir Little. Uh, there's a ton of hype when Rashad McCants and Sean May and uh, Ray Felton came in. But I think in all those situations, there was hype, but there was also uh, some knowledge that, yeah, you know, it may take some time or, you know, with Harrison Barnes' situation, you know, there's some other guys on the team that can kind of help carry the load. Uh, I mean, Nas, we already talked about that with the, you know, three veterans on the team beside him. So I think when you factor all those things together, I think it's going to be tough to find somebody that, that kind of fills that void. Now, of course, you've got guys like Hansborough who came in, and because he was so good early, that changes the conversation, right? But coming into that year, back in uh, 05, 06, nobody really thought that he was going to you know, have to carry the load the way that he did. And so, yeah, I, I think this is a very, very unique situation. Um I find that you know, Roy Williams is very honest with us. And time and time again, he's kind of brushed off any concern about Cole Anthony. As in, you know, if he's, if he's what I've got to worry about, then I'm in good shape. And the fact that he hasn't even hedged on that tells me that, that Cole is that type of player. Um, you know, and I, I think people maybe watch the Winston-Salem State game and like, eh, he's going to have to be better than that. But he he was a presence in that game in terms of everything kind of ran through him. Um, And I think you'll see that. I I think you'll see him be able to guide this team. You'll see him be in a situation where when he needs to try to take over, he will. Does that mean he's always going to be successful? No, of course not. Uh, But he'll get better as the year goes along. Uh, But he he seems well-equipped to be able to handle the pressure. Uh, But for for a freshman to come in, and to have the ball in his hands so much, and for his usage rate to be so high at a blue blood school, uh, I don't want to say it's unprecedented, but I'd have to do a lot of looking <laughs> to find somebody that kind of fits in that 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 tight little box there. 
Uh, so we'll get to see. And if I tell you one thing, if if Cole Anthony lives up to those expectations and is able to produce consistently, uh, it's, it's going to be a very very impressive performance by that young man. Yeah, it's yeah. something something that stands out to me about Cole and with Roy, and he said it again tonight on uh, Roy Williams Live. He was asked who's who he was like someone asked Roy who is your most advanced defender. First, he goes to Garrison Brooks. Then he mentions Leakey is the best defender off the ball. And then he goes right to talking about Cole Anthony's defense. Last year with Kobe, that was what he was constantly saying Kobe needed to work on the most. Obviously, he's mentioned Cole needs to work on it, but he says everyone needs to work on their defense. So that kind of stands out to me, the, the defensive praise that Roy has given Cole Anthony before he's even played a game. So I, with my young ears and young eyes look at listening to Roy, that seems unprecedented as far as I go with looking at uh, Cole Anthony and what his talents are as a freshman. Yeah, I, I think we'll see um, a guy given the keys to the Ferrari unlike ever before in North Carolina basketball. And that stretches a long way back um, to the early, to the beginning. Now there've been freshmen that have played well, Greg, you mentioned Tyler Hansbrough, um, and, you know, Rashad McCants had a good freshman year. And of course, Jordan had a good freshman year and, and there's been guys before, but nobody, at least in my memory, and maybe I'm missing somebody as that caveat. I cannot remember somebody being just say, here's the keys, take it. It's all you, as Roy Williams has done thus far with Cole Anthony. It's fascinating. Um, I, I think for Carolina and Greg, I was thinking about this. I, I think for Carolina to have that successful season, I think he's got to have a Carmelo Anthony type season, um, which is, you know, he led Syracuse to the national championship. He just played fantastic all year long. I mean, what type numbers do you think? A, we can't expect, and B, what Carolina needs from a guy like Cole Anthony um, right out of the gate, ACC game, get day one, Notre Dame, 7 o'clock. I mean, what numbers does he need for this team to have success? Well, let me say this first. I don't know that I, I disagree with you um, with the Carmelo Anthony bit, just in terms of you know, Syracuse doesn't win that, that title without him having this – absolutely phenomenal freshman year. Um, looking at how this team is currently constructed, they we know they'll get better. They'll be a lot better, you know, in February than they are this week or, or next month. I'm not sure there's enough pieces here for North Carolina to make that run without Cole being out of this world. Um, that, that's, that's a lot to ask. When you're talking about what does this kid have to do to win a national championship, that, that's a little bit uh, a lot of pressure, a little bit unfair, probably. In terms of what he has to do from day one, um, he's he's got to score, right? I mean, he's got to run the offense. Uh, but time and time again, really, what his his teammates have talked about is that he is a uh, an exquisite passer. You know, the, the more I hear about him, the more uh, I, I kind of get uh, some memories of of Kendall Marshall coming back. And not in the sense that you know, Kendall was so flashy at times, but more that you know, Kendall, he was able to kind of see the court in a way that was very unique. And if he had a teammate open or he had a teammate that was about to get open and maybe they didn't know they were going to get open, 
he could get them the ball and they'd be like, wow, I'm, I'm wide open. And they could make a shot. Cole does the same thing. Uh, his team is like, man, we've learned that we have got to you be alert. Because even if we don't think we're in a position to get the ball, sometimes we get the ball and we're like, man, I can like make an easy basket from here. I think that's where he's going to help most, is that he's going to be that kind of cohesive glue uh, on both ends of the floor. You know, Gregory talked about his ability to be a good on-ball defender. They are certainly going to need that, especially on Wednesday. Um, but offensively, if he's a guy that the entire system runs through, and he can get guys open, you know, he's got the mid-range game, he can knock down some outside shots, he's really good at you know, finishing at the rim. Uh, so he's not the scorer that you know, Kobe White was by any stretch. But he can score, and he can generate points with his ability to get his teammates involved. And I think that's what you'll see. So you know, it's not going to be a Kobe White situation where he's going to go out there and score 25 points and make seven three-pointers. That's not his game. But he may go out there and score 16 points and have eight assists and run the offense and you know, in such a way that there's not a lot of turnovers and there's not a lot of bad, wasted possessions. Uh, and that's what this team is going to have to have. He's going to have games where he, he goes off for sure. I think more than not, it's a matter of just keeping everybody together, keeping everybody on task, pushing tempo when he needs to, making smart plays. And there's enough talent around him that they can be you know, effective offensively. And then if he can get some help defensively, especially with Garrison back there, uh, they can be good enough on that end. Is that good enough to win the ACC? I, mean, I think we got a long way to go before we can legitimately answer that question. Uh, but I think if they can do those things in the short term, they can be successful here in the early part of the year. Yep, I agree with that. Let me talk about Johnny T-Shirt just briefly. Johnny T-Shirt, of course, a Inside Carolina podcast sponsor, a great friend to InsideCarolina.com. If you've been out in the bowls a lot during the football games, you see they offer a lot of swag to give away out there and chances to win. If you've been to see them on Franklin Street, you know they have everything you could possibly want in their store on Franklin Street, all sports related, not just basketball, football, baseball, women's soccer, men's soccer, every sport you can imagine, and even sports you couldn't and didn't realize Carolina had. They got that gear for you as well. JohnnyT-shirt.com, of course, you can get everything that they have in store online. You get it shipped straight to your house. You save the trip, but you also miss out on the in-person great customer service that you get in the store. But you get the customer service online. It's just not quite the same. Visit them on Franklin Street when you're in town. A lot of soon-to-be rising high school seniors making some college visits. Make sure Johnny T-Shirt is part of that college visit when you go to Chapel Hill. And if you're an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber, not only do you get all the wonderful benefits of being an IC subscriber, you get 10% off that johnnytshirt.com order. And in store, just mention that you're Inside Carolina Premium subscriber and give them the code to hook you up. Gregory, let's get back to talking about this basketball team. Uh, Greg mentioned Garrison Brooks, and I think that uh, for me watching Garrison Brooks over the last couple seasons, I've always thought he was sneaky good, and maybe he didn't get enough credit for being as good as he could be. One interesting uh, comment that Roy Williams made, maybe it was on the All Access or one of the press conferences, is that Garrison's had more alley-oops this season than he's had his first in preseason than he had in his entire first two seasons as a result of Cole Anthony's passing that Greg mentioned. But Garrison is a guy that can, I think, really blossom. 
but he needs help from a guy like Armando Baycott. Talk about the bigs down low, what they need to accomplish, and what you think they bring working together for this basketball team. Yeah, I, I think the help that Garrison gets from Armando Baycott is Armando, he's a, he's a little larger, not much, but he kind of takes up space. And with him being a high-level recruit, teams, they obviously don't have, like at least early, they won't have college film on Armando, so they, they might be worried about him. And like you said, Garrison Brooks maybe hasn't gotten a lot of credit. I know he hasn't gotten that much credit from the students. Um, definitely hear voices when, as soon as Garrison makes a mistake, it's like the world's ending. Um, but he, he's got a chance to be uh, one of UNC's top, either top two, um, but most likely top three scores this year because of those assists from Cole Anthony. And it's not just Cole Anthony. Um, it'll be Christian Keeling. It'll be Brendan Robinson when he's healthy. It'll be uh, Leaky Black. They're all good passers. Christian Keeling posted a triple-double last year. Um, so he's he's got the potential there uh, with passing the ball. Um, and what I think what, what, what Roy talked about tonight on his radio show is that he's going to have to go back to the traditional two big lineup because he doesn't have that stretch four. Yes, Justin Pierce will play a stretch four, but most of the time he'll be in at the three. Um, and Armando and Garrison are going to have a lot of minutes on the floor together. So the three point shot is there kind of, it's not like it was last year where Kenny's looking to take a three cam Johnson's looking to take a three. Kobe White's definitely looking to take a three. Yes, Cole Anthony likes to shoot threes. But he also understands that he needs to use his team. And the biggest asset on this team right now, other than Cole, is Garrison Brooks. And if UNC can figure out how to get him the ball and he can get 14 to 16 to 18 points a night, mainly just easy dunks and layups and maybe the occasional alley-oop, this team's going to be in a good spot and they're not going to have to rely on the three as much as they did last year, which is what Roy Williams wants. Greg, great point by Gregory. Roy Williams wants to work inside out. Um, No matter how good they are on the perimeter, he'll certainly adjust. Brooks and Baycott give him that option. Those two bigs that we've talked about over the past, what, two or three years doing this podcast, well, at least since Hicks and and Meeks graduated, Roy Williams has what he wants down there. Um, He loves that aspect of the basketball game, of the college basketball game. Can Carolina have the kind of success that maybe a team used to be able to have by playing that way? I think so, and I think this is one of those weird years where uh, Roy would probably like to be able to play more traditional too big. He just doesn't have the bodies for it. As Gregory mentioned, uh, Roy said that right now uh, he's got eight guys he can rely on. And Brooks and Baycott, of course, are two of those guys. But in terms of frontcourt players, Justin Pierce is the other one. 
And he's a guy that's really at three trying to play the four. Um, so they're going to have to play small quite a bit. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe if, if Brandon Huffman can make some significant strides or maybe Sterling Manley can finally get back. But I think it's fair to say at this point, uh, not to expect a lot of those guys, at least early in the year, for sure. Uh, but I do think when you've got a guy like Garrison Brooks, who he scored his points last year uh, without having the ball in his hands very long at all. And whether they were dump-offs, whether it was garbage, putbacks, uh, that's how he scored his points. Nothing wrong with that. They just didn't need him to score last year. So he's made a point this offseason to really kind of improve his offensive game. Uh, but it's one of those things where you, if you haven't played that way your entire life, to be asked all of a sudden, all right, well, now we're going to need you to, to score. We need you to develop that, uh, that drop step and that, that little hook. Go ahead and get that knocked out this summer and we'll be good to go. And not that easy. And so he's still, you know, he's, he's a work in progress. He's going to be able to score a little bit better down low. Uh, but kind of like Gregory said, Cole's going to help him in that regard. Baycott, however. Go ahead, Gregory. I was going to say to that point with Garrison shooting more, uh, Roy talked about it tonight and how they've kind of made that a priority for Garrison uh, and for the bigs in general. And, And Roy wants to see Garrison shooting it more, whether it be uh, that Luke May, right, not necessarily right hook, but kind of the turnaround um, or more just kind of like the the post-up jumper on the secondary break. Um, he even alluded to you might see Garrison put up a, uh, put up a three-pointer here or there. Um, I don't know how much he was joking when, when he said that, but I'm sure a lot of Carolina fans would not want to see that. But it just kind of shows that they have been working on it, uh, specifically with Garrison, because like you said, Greg, the depth is not there, and so they're going to have to play small a lot. So I think uh, watching the evolution of Garrison Brooks's jump shot and adding that to his game will definitely be something to watch moving forward. Go, go ahead with what you were going to say about Armand. Well, the, the, a key point, too, there is with North Carolina's high-low game, you've got to have a, a big that can sit there at the free throw line and knock down a, a, that jumper. It doesn't have to be automatic, but he has to be able to knock that down some. Otherwise, your high-low kind of loses some of his potency. Um, but with Baycott, I mean, this is a guy offensively with a skill set that we haven't seen in North Carolina in quite a while. Um, you know, Luke May, of course, uh, could do a little bit of everything. But in terms of a, just a, a true back-to-the-basket freshman uh, you know, who has a variety of moves, you know, he's talking about, yeah, you know, because I'm at the college level now, I can't just use one move. I've got to do, you know, some combos. So I may have to do a, you know, drop step and then go up with a, a little hook shot, or I may have to, you know, turn and uh, you know, fake one way and then go the other way with a, uh, with a little over the, the left shoulder shot if I need to. And I'm sitting here thinking, that's tremendous because, you know, when you talk to Sterling Manley and Garrison Brook here, it's just like, yeah, I'm just going get it and just try to dunk it and that's that's basically the the offensive game plan that those guys had so he is much more progressed and much more mature in what he can do and that that gives you a lot of options and so i really think that 
you know, strength wise, uh, that's going to be an issue in terms of he's got to do a really good job of, of posting up on the block. I mean, that was somewhat of an issue against Winston-Salem State is that he was getting pushed out a little bit too far, or at least he was setting up too far off the block. Uh, if he's able to get to a position where he can consistently set up on the block, they can really run the offense through him on the on the post. Um, and that would be a great thing for this team. That may be your work in progress. That may be your ACC season before that's a consistent option. But if you've got a defender like Garrison Brooks in the post and you've got a scorer like Baycott, I think Roy Williams would take that in a heartbeat. Um, and that, that frees you up to kind of you know, mix and match however you want to on the perimeter. Uh, but as I said, you know, Justin Pierce is going to have to play a lot down there. And so uh, you know, Baycott will have to play the five pretty much all the time. Brooks will probably play the four with Baycott at the five. And then when Pierce comes in, Brooks will slide down to the five. So you may be, depending on who they play, you may see Leaky Black have to play some at the four as well, just with his length. Um, but just the with the number of bodies, you don't like to see that. Uh, but when you've got you know a couple guys that can fill some unique roles with Brooks and Baycott, uh, that, that's certainly better than nothing. Do you, do you think that Armando's shot blocking ability uh, will make Garrison a better defender? Well, certainly not going to hurt. I mean, you Garrison played the five pretty much all year last year. And so his ability to play the four is going to be beneficial because what he's going to be able to do is whenever you play these teams to have guys that can slot out. I mean, you know, Mooney will probably do it some uh, Wednesday, but can slot out and knock down the three. If you're asking Armando to do that at this point of his college career, that's asking a lot. That puts him out in kind of an uncomfortable position trying to guard the perimeter and prevent a drive past him. Garrison's played long enough where he can actually do that. Uh, so with him playing kind of a little bit different position defensively, uh, he can do a lot of different things, especially if he knows that you've got you know, a guy like Baycott who uh, he just has the length and athleticism to be able to protect the rim better than UNC has in, in recent years. And so Brooks can be a little bit more aggressive. And not just Brooks, everybody. You know, that was one of the great things about Bryce Johnson is that when he had his tremendous, I mean, even his junior year, his tremendous senior year, is that the guys could be very aggressive outside of the paint because if they were aggressive and somebody got by them, well, they knew that Bryce was there and there was a good chance that Bryce could get a swat or at least uh, make somebody think about their shot. That hasn't been the case in recent years. And so maybe Baycott can bring a little bit of that back. Yeah. And I think that's a great point to have sort of the, a guy that can erase mistakes on the perimeter right. defense and Baycott can certainly do it. One thing that is, um, always something to watch for a young guy, especially a young big, is how you deal with foul trouble or how you avoid fouls because college guys are going to come and stick it right in your chest and try to make that layup if they get past their perimeter defender. Baycott's got to learn to sort of toe that line to be effective there but not foul because like we've talked about, the uh, – the depth is certainly not there. Manley and Huffman, even Walker Miller, can they help? Can they provide a body at some point? Uh, sure. And at some point, Sterling Manley and Huffman need to provide something more than just a, a body that can foul somebody out there. Uh, but Baycott and Brooks, they're the, they're the story inside. But Greg... Let me ask you about the two guys we have mentioned maybe sliding down in those roles. And this is what makes Leaky Black so important to this team and his health so important. 
is because, like you mentioned, him being able to slide down and also Justin Pierce being able to play the four, I mean, that's – I have a feeling we're going to see that situation a lot for North Carolina and probably even a lot Wednesday night against Notre Dame given what they present. Um, I don't know if it's the best use of Leaky Black's skill set, but it's certainly one of his skills that he brings. Yeah, and I think one thing that has completely changed his role for this year is Seventh Woods deciding to leave. Because with Seventh Woods gone, Leaky Black is now, without question, the backup point guard. Um, And so that is going to affect his minutes. And that's going to affect how Roy Williams can use him. And uh, we'll have to see, you know, once B-Rob gets back, how the starting lineup shakes out. But Leakey may be a guy that is best used off the bench just because Roy knows he's going to be the backup point guard. And Roy knows that he's going to be back up at the two and the three for sure. And possibly even the four. <laughs> so uh, you've got to use him maybe a little bit differently than if you had Seventh Woods where you didn't have to rely on him as your point guard so much. Um, but I, I think the the big thing for Pierce and for Black is the fact that whenever Roy Williams has gone small, um, and Theo had an issue with this his first year, uh, but by his senior year, he'd added some weight and was really good rebounding. But you've got to be able to rebound the ball. And both Christian Keeling and Justin Pierce, I think one of the reasons that Roy liked them as much as he did, is they were both very good rebounders at their previous schools. Granted, much lower level competition. Uh, but if, if Pierce and, and Leakey are able to rebound effectively, they don't have to be great, but they have to be solid. They can't be consistently getting beat. If they can do that, then he'll have faith that he can play a lot more with that small lineup. Um, I, I think both of them have the skill set and have the length uh, to be you know, good enough in terms of you know, taking advantage of the matchup offensively and then using their length uh, defensively to cause some problems. But if they're not rebounding the way Roy wants them to, that's when you may see uh, some issues there. That's when you may see some more Brandon Huffman instead of those guys if you're playing against a team that has some bigger players. Um, So I think that is the most uh, telling statistic is how well they do on the boards. But, yeah, I mean, their, their length and their athleticism allows you to do a lot of different things with both those guys. The challenge with, I think, Roy has with Leakey being the backup point guard is working him into the rotation with Cole Anthony on the floor because of Leakey's skill set. And he can maybe make up on defense with Justin Pierce on the floor if Justin Pierce gets lost trying to play the floor, trying to play the four, um, and things like that. Because, I mean, like we've heard from last year, when Leakey wasn't even playing, Roy praises Leakey Black a lot and loves leaky blacks game. Um, he's even said for UNC to be an excellent basketball team, leaky black needs to be healthy and playing. Um, and that's true. I mean, obviously yes, because depth issues already, but I think it's, he's saying more that that's just how important leaky is. And so, I mean, we know this team doesn't have conditioning issues, um, I mean, Roy mentioned today when he's got recruits here and they're watching practice, uh, he makes his guys run extra sprints at the end just to get the message across that if you come to UNC, you're going to run. 
Um, and we know how much Roy likes to make his players run. So they, they're conditioned, but it's still live ball minutes. I mean, there's a reason guys don't constantly play 36 to 38 minutes a game. Leaky might have to leaky might leave the team in minutes this year if depth issues remain a problem just because of his skill set. So it's definitely difficult how you can kind of load manage him being the backup point guard because if Cole's not on the floor, you definitely want leaky on the floor. So just I, I just I don't envy those decisions. Def, not at all, not one bit. And I th- I think it may be a situation and you may be able to sell a few minutes in the first half with both those guys on the floor together. Uh, but I think it'll be one of those situations where you, you get down to the final four or five minutes when you've got your five guys to close the game on the floor. That's probably when you'll see both of them out there. But but I agree. I think it'll be difficult to have both Leakey and Cole on the floor at the same time uh, for, for large stretches just because of the fact that, that Leakey is Cole's backup. And if, you know, if Cole's got to come out, you know, yes, you can slide Leaky over, but you know, where is he getting his breather from? And I, I think that's the that's the puzzle piece. Yeah, and you can't you can't run him into the ground. And uh, I, we talked about in the off season, and I want to talk about it after the break about Cole Anthony's ability to play major minutes. But let me take a short break. Come back. I got a few more questions about this roster for you guys. Uh, you're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast. Basketball season is here. We'll be right back. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. I'm host Tommy Ashley, joined by Greg Barnes, Gregory Hall, Inside Carolina Podcast, sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. Let, let's talk about minutes a little bit, guys. And and I feel like there's players we have not talked about yet. Now, I want to get, Greg, I'll start with you again. Christian Keeling, uh, I, think, I think he needs to be – a, a score for Carolina, a big time score for Carolina. One thing that was a little surprising to me, and I know a lot of people have said this, and it's no slight to him. It's probably a, a slight to my paying attention is he's a little smaller than I thought he was uh, going into it. I mean, six three, one eighty. Uh, he just seems more slight than I was expecting. Maybe that's my fault. It's not the first person I've heard say it, or I'm not the first, only person I've heard say it, but, his role on this team, we've talked about Cole Anthony's going to play 35 to 37 minutes. How many does Keeling play? Does it depend on Brandon Robinson's health? Does it depend on somebody else stepping up? I mean, I think he is probably, if Cole's 1A, 
for scoring options. I think Keeling's 1B. Um, am I right or am I just way off? That's a good question in terms of scoring. I think in the ideal world, yes, Keeling is effective enough that he can be that secondary scorer for you, at least on the perimeter. Um, remains to be seen if he can actually do that. And I, I'm with you, Tommy. I, the first time I saw Christian, uh, I, I thought he was, yeah, a little smaller than I expected. And I think there's a, you know, when we talk about right now, UNC having kind of eight key guys, I think when you, when you, lay it out you're talking about you know baycott and brooks in the post four and five cole at the one and then when you're talking about the two i mean i think keeling's really a a two and uh, yes two and three are interchangeable offensively defensively they're not and so you play tech for example he's a two maybe maybe play tech because he's a veteran now he can slide over and guard some some longer players at the three uh, but that that can be challenging depending on who you're playing against. And so when you're talking about play tack and Keeling at the at the two, uh, now you're you're left with three people kind of trying to fill that void at the the three and the four with uh, Pierce, uh, Leakey, and, and B Rob. Um, and so I found it a little bit interesting the starting lineup against Winston Salem State, and that it was Cole Keeling and, and B Rob uh, on the on the perimeter. And I guess that kind of goes back to the fact that you know, Leakey needed to come off the bench, or he may need to come off the bench. And without B-Rob potentially Wednesday, we'll have to wait and see. Um, how does that change? How does that change things? And I would assume that puts Leakey into the starting lineup, but um, that'll be that'll be something that that will be fascinating to watch how Roy handles. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Keeling's certainly a two. And you talk about minutes. I mean, when you got eight guys, it's pretty easy. You're talking about 25 minutes each if they're all averaging averaging the same. Cole, for sure, is going to play a lot more than that. Garrison, for sure, is going to play a lot more than that. And I think Baycott, for sure, is going to play a lot more than that. Um, So even still, I mean, Keeling's going to have to play quality minutes if he's able to score because they're going to need some scores. So he may be a guy that's not, not 25, but he may be closer to 30 minutes if he's able to fill it up and uh, that's where your play tech, I think, is the key because if he can come in and give you some scoring, he's a pretty good defender. But if he can actually knock down some shots, uh, which he struggles with at times, that would be a big boost, and he could really he could really alleviate some of the minute issues there at the two and three. Gregory is play tech a guy that if anybody benefits from Brandon Robinson being down for any amount of time, is play tech the guy that's going to reap the benefits at least in terms of minutes in Robinson's absence in in terms of minutes yeah I mean he played what was it I mean it was an exhibition game and glorified practice and yada 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 I mean but he played 24 minutes and I don't know that just seems like a a lot of Andrew Playtech on the floor but what I think surprised me and maybe some others that saw it watching the game was his ability and almost will to be active. I mean, usually like last couple of years, Playtech comes in, you expect him to maybe come around a screen, catch a pass, uh, either give up on the three and not shoot it, or as he's gotten more confident, shoot a three, come out, sit back down. Um, but I think with the absence of Brandon Robinson, he, he I mean, one, he just, he just can't play like that anymore. 
he has to come on and play valuable minutes on defense more than anything um, because they're not going to look to him to carry the load uh, with scoring the ball by any means. But I mean, the minutes are going to be there um, because, I mean, if they're not there, then Roy really only trusts six players. And I mean, that's just not going to get you through 20 ACC games. I mean, Brandon Robinson will come back before then, but two ACC games before Christmas and a tough non-conference slate when you have to go to Gonzaga um, and potentially play either Seton Hall or Oregon over Thanksgiving. Uh, so, I mean, he's going he's gonna to have to play well, and it can't just be shooting up the occasional occasional three. And, yes, with Brandon Robinson down to your, to your point, to your question again, he's going to have the minutes. To earn more minutes when Brandon Robinson gets back, it's all going to be on the defensive side and what he can show Roy that he can do. I mean, that's the way to Roy's heart in any aspect is on defense. So, I mean, I think, and I, and talking to Playtech kind of after the exhibition match, he understands that. And he, I mean, he's a great quote, quote, Greg always, Greg always loves a good Andrew Playtech quote. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he gets it and he, whether he can do it is another question and people are going to see it on Wednesday if he can do it or not because he's going to play a lot because there's no Brandon Robinson. Um, and if there's no, and if Andrew Playtech can't do it, uh, I don't even know who the next man up is Caleb Ellis. Maybe I, I really, I really don't know after that. I mean, Roy joked today that Robbie Ohan, the kid from JV that they called the day before the first practice, just so they could have 10 guys to run full court. They called him the day before. I was like, hey, Robbie, like, can you come and try out and maybe be on the varsity team? We need we need you. So, I don't, yeah, I mean, th- those are the options for Andrew Playtech moving forward. It's going to be uh, Roy Williams will earn his stripes. If he, if he ever needed to earn his coaching stripes, it'll be this season, especially early. Greg, who are we missing? Um, K.J. Smith, he's out there. Um, you know, you got Anthony Harris, and I doubt Jeremiah Francis is going to have a lot of health to offer this year. But, I mean, you got seven now. If Roy Williams has eight with Brandon Robinson, we're down to seven when we're looking at this roster. Who who on this roster not in that top seven and not named Brandon Robinson is going to make an impact? It, it just boggles my mind to think that um, Roy Williams is not going to be able to play 10 and 11 guys across the early preseason or, well, the early season now since the ACC starts right out of the gate. But who are we missing that may surprise? Well, well, in terms of surprising, I don't know. But in terms of who we're missing, uh, I think Huffman's going to play a lot. He may not play a lot in critical moments, uh, but in some of these games against Gardner-Webb or maybe even Alabama and, and Bahamas and some games like that, I think they're going to have to lean on him some just because of the, the minutes that the, the guys are going to have to play in, in some of the, the key games. And so I think that's good for him and that he's going to get some more experience. Um, if they could somehow you know, get him to take that next step forward, he doesn't have to be great, uh, but just take that next step forward where they can get five to 10 minutes out of him. You know, kind of like Joel James was able to do late in his career. Um, that would be a huge benefit. I don't know that Huffman's there yet, 
But I think that would be the the hope and the goal. And then you mentioned Anthony Harris. I think he is a kid because of his shooting ability. Um, if he's once he gets back from that from that knee injury, and he's hopeful that you know it'll be soon where he'll be able to to practice and play. Uh, you know, he may be a, a guy that we're talking about in February. Is hey, this is a kid who can come off the bench, knock down some shots, give you an extra body, uh, and maybe that that kind of sets the the stage for him. Maybe not to be a you know, a key contributor this year, but certainly for for next year and, and years to come. Um, so so hopefully he's able to bounce back and provide a little bit of a spark late in the year. But in terms of the, these first. These first couple weeks, couple months, uh, I don't know that there's many more people outside of that that collection of eight that that we keep talking about. Gregory, last couple of questions. Let's talk about Notre Dame a little bit. Um, you know, we're talking about Carolina with all this roster turnover. I look at Notre Dame's roster, and it looks like they've had guys there since the '90s. Uh, <laughs> Carolina's got a tough uh, ACC opener, and it, it is insane that it's on November the sixth. Um, but it is what it is. Carolina and Notre Dame, your thoughts on this first one? It, there's no easing into the water. It's straight off the 35-foot diving board into the frying pan for North Carolina. Yeah, there are uh, def- it's definitely not an easy one. Um, people might look at Notre Dame's season last year and say, wait a second, they were last in the ACC. They only won three conference games. So, like, why should – I'd be scared of a veteran Notre Dame team when a veteran Notre Dame team last year was not very good. I mean, there's a reason that they were picked seventh uh, by the media to finish, to finish seventh in the ACC this season, not seventh right now. They were predicted at the end of the season to finish seventh. Um, I mean, with, and with a good ACC, like that, that's pretty solid considering where they were last year, 10 of their 12 guys are back, um, which is just, I mean, insane. And those were, those are contributors because they were plagued with injuries. And we talk about Carolina football injuries and being plagued with that. And we're talking about the injuries UNC is dealing with right now in basketball. Notre Dame had a rough season last year. Uh, Rex Fluger, one of their main guys played 10 games, then missed the rest of the season. Um, And then they they had a multitude of guys come in who then were out uh, a few games here, a few games there. Um, and a majority of them are healthy. Um, I mean, John Mooney has been their reliable guy, I and mean, he averaged a double-double last year, fit, averaged 11.2 rebounds. He, outrot, he It was him and Luke May were back and forth between the rebound leaders. Um, he finished fifth in the country, I think, Mooney did, in rebounds. Um, and then you've got Jawan Durham, their big man, who's going to be right up there on Armando. He's 6'11". Uh, 223 pounds or something like that. So he's, he's tall and I mean, a bit skinny for his size, but uh, pretty comparable to Armando's Armando's size there. I mean, he only started like five games last year, but he is a starter this year. um, And he's going to be their main, their main five on the inside. Um, And then you've got uh, TJ Gibbs, uh, TJ Gibbs was is incredible. I mean, he averaged over 13 points a game last year. Uh, he's a senior, so I mean, I've got their starting lineup with four seniors uh, and a sophomore who uh, averaged the third most points on the team. Or he was last year as a freshman, averaged third most third most points on the team. So they're back. They're healthy. Uh, they shoot a lot of threes, though. 
Um, they led the ACC last year in threes, uh, and then they didn't show they didn't show any signs of slowing down in their exhibition match. They uh, shot thirty one, which I don't know against an exhibition team that you could definitely out muscle. You would think maybe they would try to to get the ball inside more, but I guess they like to shoot the three. And uh, UNC's had some trouble with teams that like to shoot the three in the past. Um, I mean, the three-point line is moved back uh, about 16 inches this year. It's the international distance now. Uh, so that that might change, but I don't know. We'll see. Roy didn't seem to uh, – he didn't think it'll change that much. He was just kind of like, eh, everybody can shoot it from NBA distance nowadays anyway. Um, but, yeah, I think that's the challenge is stopping Mooney first and foremost. You got to stop him because he's going to do everything for them. Um, and then you can't let them get hot from deep and you can't, you gotta make it hard for them to get hot from deep. Uh, obviously the crowd will be, will be going home opener against an ACC opponent. I mean, UNC is a whopping zero and zero against conference games in the month of November. So uh, they've never played a conference game in November before, which seems kind of crazy to me, just maybe, maybe a fluke time it happened once, but it hasn't. Uh, so yeah, they pose a lot of challenges and people shouldn't take them lightly just because they finished dead last in the conference last year. Yeah. And Tommy, uh, another name to kind of look out for and for, uh, the recruitniks, Nate Leshevsky is a kid that North Carolina really wanted a couple of years ago. Uh, he's a sophomore yet now. Um, he didn't play a whole lot last year, but he's a guy that's a talented, big, very athletic. And so, you know, I am a big fan um, of Notre Dame style of play. I think Mike Bray does his phenomenal job offensively. And when he's got his guys operating, you know, that they, you know, with a guy like Mooney, for example, who can step out and knock down the three, uh, there's a lot of spreading out. There's a lot of, um, it's, it's not up tempo, it's a very patient approach, uh, but they do a good job of getting into the lane and kicking out for those threes. And that's one of the reasons they've done so well in terms of offensive efficiency over the years. Um, some of their uh, their better teams of late have been, you know, top top twenty. Two thousand sixteen, they were top ten adjusted offense. Two thousand fifteen, they were number two. Uh, so they've they've had a very good offensive scheme. And even last year, uh, while they they struggled because of those injuries, I mean, they were still one hundred five and uh, adjusted offensive efficiency, and they're one hundred seven and adjusted uh, defensive efficiency. And so they, and they also take care of the ball very well. And that's something they don't do is, is, is create turn or force cough up turnovers, I guess is the way to say that. Um, and so this is going to be, I think more than anything, it's going to be a test of UNC's defense, which I don't think is a good thing for the Tar Heels. When you have so many new pieces, they did not look good defensively against Winston-Salem State. Uh, Roy Williams was not happy about that. They had 23 turnovers, uh, which when you're playing a team that doesn't turn the ball over, like Notre Dame, that could give them a lot more possessions, which Roy Williams does not like. Uh, and you combine the fact with everything that Gregory said about you know, Notre Dame going through a tough year, but having, I mean, TJ Gibbs is a really good player. Uh, you know, Mooney is a really good player. And, you know, Fluger, I don't think he's going to play. I think he's still got some time to come back from that ACL injury. Uh, maybe I haven't checked on that lately, but but maybe I'm wrong. 
but they still have a, a lot of pieces there, a lot of talented pieces. And I expect Notre Dame to be a lot better this year. And so that'll that'll certainly be a, a big challenge for UNC on Wednesday. I expect that to be a competitive game. And uh, you, people will flip out if North Carolina loses that game, as, as everybody knows. Uh, I don't know if a loss is as big of a deal as it will seem at the time, depending on how things play out and how, how good Notre Dame actually looks. Because I think they have a chance to be really good this year. I think they're a pretty good team. I mean, if you look at their schedule last year, when Fluger went down, they fell off the cliff. But before that, they were pretty solid. And those guys always seem to play good basketball. I mean, they lose games last season, um, but they never looked like a really bad team at times, at least the times I saw them. Gregory and Greg Barnes, Gregory Hall, Greg Barnes, it's been fun. This is the first of many. We're going to do this podcast weekly on-the-beat basketball style. We'll get more into it as the season gets into it. Carolina and Notre Dame in the Smith Center at 7 p.m. on November the 6th. That just, uh, yeah, still not there yet, but Carolina and Notre Dame will kick it off or tip it off whether we're ready or not. Greg and Gregory, I appreciate y'all taking the time to join me. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.